to everyone. This is our discipleship class. And we're, <clears throat> we're here every Sabbath afternoon at 2.30. So please uh, invite your family and friends to join us. It's a discussion class where we read uh, some spiritual books and then we come and discuss what we learned out of them and compare ideas and thoughts with one another. Today, our book is Testimonies, Volume 1 by Ellen White. And Karen Lewis will be teaching that class. She's working on the live stream at the moment, but we'll get to her in just a second. In the meantime, we can uh, go ahead and offer a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads. <clears throat> Loving Father, we thank you so much again for this beautiful and blessed Sabbath day. We thank you for everyone's participation. We thank you, dear Lord, that people are interested in learning more about you more about Christ's second coming, more about the earth made new, more about your plans for us, and more about your love and kindness and mercy that you continue to show towards us who don't deserve it. We ask you to bless us as we continue to praise and worship your name and study and in discussion in Jesus' name. Amen. So amen. again, thanks to everyone for joining. We're uh, once again, invite people. You can share your link. As they say, share a link, save a life. So you can share this link with your friends and relatives and invite them next week to come join us. Our other book, we alternate on weeks. Our other book that we're studying out of is the book Heaven by Ellen White. And that book is letting us know through spiritual eyesight what God has shared with his prophet to share with us about the glories and the majesty of heaven which awaits us as well as the earth made new. So that's a terrific study that we're having. We're learning so much in that book and we learn so much about each other and our desires and what we uh, are looking for in heaven and our thoughts on it. Of course, the scriptures say, I has not seen, neither has ear heard all the beauties that God has prepared for us, but we can use our divine imagination and just think about it. Uh, but as I said this week, Sister Karen Lewis is leading out in the book Testimonies, Volume 1, by Ellen White. So I believe she's ready, and we'll turn it over to Karen. Yes, and thank you, Lee, for, um, for the introduction. Uh, I'm going to share this right now, this live stream on my page, before I actually get started teaching. So um, feel free to share it now if you would like to share it. And uh, we're going to then go to uh, Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, Chapter 85. And um, we had been studying this chapter. Bear with me while I get it up, pulled up. About health reform. And um, we were right at the place where we were talking about uh, a doctor, a particular doctor that um, was just really uh, giving his life to the church, I mean, to health reform. Um, and in the, in the preceding, um, we're starting at paragraph 491.2, but in the preceding paragraphs, Sister White was talking about this Dr. B who, um, she, she uh, wrote about him as a man of duty and as a man of, um, um, a, a man who was extremely sensitive and sympathetic to all the patients. And so as we start out uh, paragraph 491.2, she continues to talk about this Dr. B. And she talks about how there should be people who help him, uh, men and women of influence who help him do the work that he's been uh, called by God to do. And she said that they can do that by their prayers, their sympathy, their hearty cooperation, their cheering, hopeful words, and their counsel and advice. And she says all of this would be much appreciated by him. She, she had previously talked about Dr. B as a very humble man. So uh, he was not a man that would, 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 would feel, um, I guess, uh, upset because people came to him and gave, them, gave him their advice. Uh, she said that his position is not an enviable, enviable one. And she said that the uh, duties that he assumed and responsibilities were so great 
that it's not because he wanted to do it as far as from choice or to obtain a livelihood because she said he could make much more money with his talents and abilities going somewhere else without the care, anxiety, and perplexity that a position in our healthcare, one of our healthcare hospitals would cause him. And she said, she said, duty alone would lead him. And when once convinced where the path of duty lies, he will follow it and stand at his post. Let the consequences be what they may. How many of us know someone like that or want to be someone like that? Anybody? Excuse me. I don't know about that, but I did know where it said earlier that he sees and feels what ought to be done and will be in danger of doing too much. And many mm-hmm. times I feel that way about our, our um, devoted and loyal church members. You know, there are certain members who they see something that needs to be done, they wanna do it, and oftentimes don't have support from the other church members. So they end up taking on too much. And, uh, you know, it's not good. You know, even though a person can do a lot, we shouldn't just bur- overburden them to do everything. So that's why the, Bible talks about the church as a body where all the parts work together, not just one part doing everything. And that's kind of what he was in danger of ending up doing too much. Right. I think about sometimes when we go out to do outreach and, you know, every, everybody doesn't go out, but everybody can do something. You know, uh, sometimes we prepare a sack lunch for those that are going out so that you know, we don't have to take a lot of time with, with, with the lunch after church. But then also everybody can pray. You know, you may not be able to walk and hand out, pass out, you know, literature and so forth and, and knock on doors, but, but everyone can pray. And so, as you were saying, Lee, there's a part that everyone can play um, in the spreading of the, the gospel message, whether it be the health message or, 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 you know, the good news, so to speak. Um, and uh, she and said know, that. Go ahead. Go ahead and finish. No, go ahead. Okay, and I think too at times, like Brother B, because you know his heart was right, and and he seen people needed him, and it's hard for you know people that 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 you know people kind of rely on. It's hard for them sometimes to say, "Well, I got too much on my plate." Because they don't want to feel like they're not, they're, you know, they're not doing what God asked them, or they feel like they're letting God down. But I think sometimes God tells them, just like He told uh, Moses' father-in-law told him, you know, you got to delegate. So that's what I had to say. Mm, right, right, absolutely. Um, well, I think and, uh, it was she- like I think it's like when we were kids and we used to play tug of war. Well. If you're the only one on your side tugging, you're going to lose every time. But mm. if you have help on your side tugging with you, then that makes it not only a much better uh, chance of winning, but it's also a whole lot more fun when more people are participating. Absolutely. I saw a story, um, it was probably last night, uh, about an um, uh, anthropologist, and he was over in Africa, in a village in Africa, and he was teaching the children a new game. And he told them, he said, and basically the game was whoever gets to the basket of fruit first gets it. So, uh, and the, I guess that was the premise of the game. And I don't, I don't know what all the steps were, or whatever, to get there. I, mean, I, I think there were steps that they had to take to get there. But he said, whoever gets there first gets the basket of fruit. And so one, two, three, go. And he thought the children would all charge or do whatever the steps were. One would run off, you know, like the amazing race. Uh, if you ever watched that on TV, he thought one would run off and be ahead of the others. He said they all linked arms and they all went together. Mm-hmm. And he said he couldn't understand that. And he asked them, why did you all do that? And they said, well, how could one of us be happy when everyone else is miserable or unhappy? Mm-hmm. And so that is that that is uh, the way that we should all be that we are a brother's keeper and that we should help um, do whatever or whatever we can do. Like I said, everybody, like with Dr. B, everybody doesn't have the medical license. Everybody doesn't have that medical knowledge, tech, you know, technical skill and know-how, but everybody could do something. 
Um, and she said, uh, those whom God would have stand by his side, uh, he should have the sympathy and cooperation of those who have influence, those whom God would have stand by his side and sustain him in his laborious work. And then she continues talking about Dr. B down in the next paragraph, paragraph uh, 491.3. And she says that some would wonder why the poor could not come and be treated for nothing at this facility. And they would be tempted to think that it was a money-making enterprise. She said, but, and this one and that one would wish they had something to say and would, would find fault with the whole thing. But she said that um, and she was shown that some would consider it a virtue to be jealous and stand out and oppose Dr. B. And they would pride themselves on not receiving everything just as soon as it comes. And like Thomas, they would boast of their unbelief. And um, so Dr. B was what, you know, he was committed to stand at his post of duty, whatever happened. But at the same time, she talked about these haters, so to speak, that was that that came up against him and felt like they needed to oppose him. And one of the reasons they were opposing him was they thought everything should be free, um, that the poor could come and everything should be free. But you know, it's like they always say, uh, the gospel is free, but the, what is it Lee? The gospel is free, but but the uh, evangelism isn't or something like that. The, and so you, you still gotta pay for, you still gotta pay for you know the supplies and all of that stuff. And so um, it was not an institution that could, the, bur the financial burden could be entirely laid on and say, okay, the doors are open, come who may. And um, so she was speaking to people that, that were um, in opposition to the fact and thought, well, you know, he's really after making money. No, she said he could make a lot more money somewhere else. So it wasn't about that at all, but it had to be able to sustain itself and sustain the work. Um, that's a good thing that we should remember about church and the church outreach, church activities. It costs money to do that stuff, you know, and mm -hmm. people tend to want the church to do everything free. Well, the church has to get money and funds from somewhere. So mm -hmm. you can't just give stuff away free all the time. The money has to come from somewhere. And there's nothing wrong with making money. Sometimes people think, oh, making money is evil. No, it's not. Money is necessary for us to live in this life. And many times people might use it for an evil purpose, but money itself is not evil. Jesus used money, paid his taxes mm -hmm. with it and did something else I forgot. But mm -hmm. it's not the money that's at fault. It's what people do with it. Mm-hmm. And the intent behind what they do with it, too. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, you know, a lot of times people can be giving, but they're giving so that they can be praised by, you know, other people and so forth. And they're giving out of their abundance, not out of their lack. So, And even um, if you bring it home to church, just think we're uh, planning to go back into this to the building. Well, we're going to have to pay for lights. We have to pay for gas. We have to pay for sanitation supplies. We have pay for a mask, we have to pay for, we have to pay for stuff. So mm -hmm. no one can just say, well, I'm not giving to the church. The church should do all this stuff free. That just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, down in the next paragraph, she says that she's shown that Sabbath keepers don't lack money. <laughs> and she said, at present, their greatest danger is in their accumulations of property. She said some are, are continually increasing their cares and labors. They are overcharged, and the result is God and the wants of his cause are nearly forgotten by them. They are spiritually dead. They are required to make a sacrifice to God and offer. And, and this, this hit me. A sacrifice does not increase, but decreases and consumes. To think about that. What do you all think about that statement? A sacrifice does not increase, but decreases and consumes. Well, it makes me think of the text. You cannot beat God giving. So you, I would rather be faithful to God and give all that I have because I know he will take care of me. Okay. Okay. What about the story of the, the, the poor widow and her, and her might? Somebody, can somebody tell me about that story? 
she gave all that she had. She gave all that she had and she didn't have much. She had what two, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to relate it into daytime, today's time. She had two nickels. Let's just put it like that. She had two nickels and she gave what she had. But then the others came behind her and they gave, but they gave out of their abundance. There was no sacrifice on their part. And so they didn't really, you know, nothing really decreased for them. Nothing really consumed for them. And it wasn't really a sacrifice on their part. Had they given more, maybe it would have been a sacrifice. But since they did not, it was not a sacrifice. So me and Karen, are you saying to us that when we give, it becomes a sacrifice when we can't see how it's going to be returned? Yeah. And you know, I could barely hear Sister Lakita. But Sister Karen, what about the other story in the Bible where the lady... She only had enough uh, meal for her and, and her, her son, and she was saying that after they ate that, that they were, uh, were going to die because that's all they had. But mm-hmm. she was still willing to share it. Mm-hmm. And, and God gave and, and with her little oil, and God blessed her. They, they didn't starve to death. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. It goes back to what you said. You can't beat God-giving. And uh, we don't know, we don't, the widow, the widow and her two mites, we don't know what happened to her after that, but we can only assume that God provided for her because she, she made a true sacrifice for him. Well, Karen, maybe she yeah. made a true sacrifice because she had already knew God provided. Well, could be, could be. We don't really know much more about her mm-hmm. than, than her action. Um, so could be. Um, Before words mentions that there's no lack of means among Sabbath keepers, God is blessing his people continually. Uh, Sometimes we think church members don't have funds because, you know, they don't they don't participate in giving. They don't participate in fundraising. They don't really give a faithful and honest tithe and offering. But that doesn't have anything to do with them not having it. Like you had pointed out, um, it's because the people are spiritually dead. And whenever we talk about stewardship, you can mention stewardship till you blow in the face, but until a person has a connection with God, they don't hear you and they're not going to give. You know, it has to be a spiritual connection with God in order for a person to truly be a faithful steward of their time, talent, temple, and treasure. That's true. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not funny how the enemy comes in and he, and he, he perverts and twists the things that God asks, asks of us. And God doesn't ask much. He asks for one-tenth of, you know, what he gives us and then an offering on top of that. And so he doesn't ask much and he provides so much more than he asks for, you know, but the enemy comes in and says, ah, oh, you know, you don't have to do that. Um, you, you don't owe that to God. Um, you, you, uh, you're an exception. I mean, I've heard all kinds of things you know, as to why people don't return to God, what is his, and, 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 and it belongs to him. But uh, people come up with all kinds of reasons why they won't return. Well, I, have to, I have to do this with it. I have to do that with it. Or sometimes it's just accumulating it um, or just using it for their own purposes. Um, can I make an interjection? I'm so sorry. I'd stepped off the room, but I could still hear you guys and sure. correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, Patsy's uh, referral to the um, parable about the uh, the late, I don't think it's a parable, I think it really happened. Uh, the prophet asked her to give her last to make him uh, a cake or whatever it was with her last meal and oil and she didn't question. She gave it to him and then afterwards he did, she was blessed. He said, your meal and oil will never run out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's not, we think blessings are like a luxury vehicle or a trip or a home or, or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes I always used to tell people, and it's another testimony for another time, that sometimes a blessing is a 95 Saturn and a run for 26 years. I mean, your corn, if your, your meal and all don't run out, mm-hmm. he's always, always going to make sure you have a way. Yeah. And sometimes the blessing could even be health or recovery during a pandemic. How about that? Good health or recovery 
if 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 we if you did get the, the you know the COVID, you recovered from it and didn't have any lasting effects behind it. So God has so many ways of blessing us, and it's not always going to be material, and it's not always going to be, you know, what we may think that it is. Hey, Karen, Some, so she we was talking about um, people and um, and 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 she said that God's church said people have no. Um, need have plenty of substance if you will mm-hmm. well also it's people's mindset i mean if people think they are poor it doesn't really matter how much money they manage and they're going to always have that experience of being poor if we have mm-hmm. that mindset that we're, we don't have enough or that we are poor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i like the part two where it says much of the means among the people is only proving an injury to those who are holding on to it so while people think they're saving and building up for a rainy day, uh, they're actually missing out on God's spiritual blessing by not sharing it with other and not contributing to spreading the gospel message. So uh, just holding on to money does absolutely no good. It's mm. only good if it's being used. Mm. That's a very good point, Lee. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It reminds me of the parable of the man who uh, he, he, he had so much that he said, I'm going to build me some more barns to save more, you know, to, to house everything that I've built up and everything, all my wealth and the stuff from my fields because they were an agricultural society. And what did the Lord say to him? Or what did the angel of the Lord say to him? I don't remember which one it was. Fool, Anybody remember that? You fool, your life... Um... You're gonna to die tonight, basically. Mm-hmm. Right, and then where? Who? Who's gonna get your stuff now? You know, when you could have given it away to who you wanted to. Now you're gonna have relatives, your relatives squabbling over it and fighting over it because you obviously didn't prepare no will because you didn't intend to give it to anybody. <laughs> so, so they're gonna be fighting over it, um, and 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 you just you might as well give it to who you want to have it now. And be blessed now and in your care. life. Yes. Also, you know, it's not to say that we should not save. Because in Deuteronomy 28, it says your basket and your store shall be blessed. So we, mm-hmm. you know, God wants us to have a balanced program, though. You know, the mm-hmm. Bible says, put, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. You know, right. Don't be afraid to give right. to Don't be afraid to share. Don't right. be afraid to go, you know, like to step out in that big place where he's asking you to step out, trusting that he's going to provide. He is our provider. Mm-hmm. That even mm-hmm. when, you know, we can, it, without realizing it, we can trust in our savings and not trust in God. Mm, that's Some true. We don't realize it, though, that we have slipped into that space. So, you know, it's a balanced program as long as we keep God first. And then how, you know, I mean, it's kind of like the Bible says, I'll open the windows and pour you out a blessing so much that you should not be able to receive it. So, you know, he's not against, you know, giving and sharing and, and doing for us. He just wants us to have the right, uh, our focus is basically just doing what he asked us to do. And Absolutely. To do what he asked how, how, how would we do if, if Jesus told us, sell all that you have and give to the poor and come and follow me? Sell all that you have. How, how, how many of us would would go away sorrowful like the rich young ruler or how many of us would just trust God and just do it, act on it? I remember one uh, evening we had prayer service and uh, um, I forgot who was leading the prayer service. We were up at the church and, 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 and one of our uh, members, well, there was, a, there was a lady there that someone had brought or maybe she had just come. I don't remember how she got there. But she wasn't a member. She was a visitor for the first time. And one of our members said, you know, the Holy Spirit, after, after you know, as prayer service was winding down, uh, one of our members said, the Holy Spirit told me to just open my wallet and give you everything that's in my wallet. And that's what he did. And then after he did, after he pulled it out and gave it to her, he said, you know, he said, I thought I only had few dollars in there I forgot I had gone to the bank and taken out some money to pay a bill but he gave it all to her 
how many of us would be that obedient? When we see somebody on the side of the road begging, and if the Holy Spirit said, give them everything you got, how many of us would be that obedient? That's just a reflection question. Um, let's get back to it. Okay. Um, let's see. Paragraph 492.2. Uh, near the middle of that paragraph, I guess it says, as unbelievers shall resort to an institution devoted to the successful treatment of disease and conducted by Sabbath keeping physicians, they will be brought directly under the influence of the truth. By becoming acquainted with our people and our real faith, their prejudice will be overcome and they will be favorably impressed. By thus being placed under the influence of truth, some will not only obtain relief from bodily infirmities, but will find a healing balm for their sin sick souls. And um, going on into the next paragraph, she says, as the health of invalids improves under judicious treatment and they begin to enjoy life and they have confidence in those who have been instrumental in their restoration to health, their hearts are filled with gratitude and the good seed of truth will the more readily find a lodgment there and in some cases will be nourished, spring up and bear fruit to the glory of God. And then she goes on to talk about in that same paragraph how some will not, may not have enough moral courage to yield to their convictions of the things that they learned from a Sabbath keeping institution. She said, um, they may be convinced that Sabbath keepers have the truth, but the world and unbelieving relatives stand in the way of their receiving it, which reminds me of the seeds that, that, that the sower sowed. And she said, they cannot bring their minds to the point to sacrifice all for Christ. Yet some of this last mentioned class will go away with their prejudices removed and will stand as defenders of the faith of Seventh-day Adventists. Some will go away restored or greatly benefited, will be, will be the means of introducing our faith in new places and raising the standard of truth where it would have been impossible to gain access had not prejudice been first removed from minds by a terry among our people for the object of gaining health. So it sounds like, like, like in a Sabbath keeping institution, some people will be converted, some people, their prejudice will be removed and they will defend Sabbath keepers and the Sabbath and those who keep the Sabbath. They may, they, they, don't, would not, they may not necessarily at that point be, be converted, but they will go away and introduce the Sabbath message to places where it would not have otherwise been introduced. Any comments on that? Well, we know that the um, health message is the right arm of the gospel, and the way the sanitariums are set up is the same way that Jesus evangelized, uh, mingling with the people, empathizing with their situation, meeting their needs, and then bidding them, bidding them to follow him. So same thing with the sanit sanitariums or the health uh, sanitariums. People come there, we mingle with them be friendly with them, understand what they're going through, provide the uh, physical and spiritual healing, and then uh, invite them to accept Christ. That's the whole point of those sanitariums. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, I think when it's close to home, I think sometimes when, when you, you're not sure and you stay connected to Jesus, he'll begin to show you things that you need to weed out of your diet and it just to keep you healthy. And then you're able to, you know, maybe somebody may come to you and say, well, how come you stopped eating this? And, you know, how do you have an effect on you when you stop? And I'm just going to say, for example, meat. And I said, you'd be surprised how many people have a testimony if they just, and, they, and sometimes it does not take big steps. It takes baby steps. So it takes a while. And I said, but once you get there, you're, you got that testimony for Christ and say, this is, you know, how it worked for me. Okay. Also, if we don't, if you can't have a sanitarium or a health center, then that's where the medical missionaries come in, individuals who know about health and healing, and they actually meet the people in their homes or at another location and talk to them there. But it's the same method that Christ used also. And if mm -hmm. you can't, you know, maybe you can't go to school to be a medical missionary, but as we're doing, we can learn a little something uh, from study and then share that with people because people are, you have noticed a lot of people are really sick. Every time you turn around, it seems like they're building another diabetic center somewhere. 
You know, if a grocery store goes out of business, next thing you see, they put a diabetic center in there because people are that sick or they put in a outpatient. Dialysis, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. dialysis, Dialysis. anything like that because people are so sick and the health message is going to become even more important as time goes by because people aren't really learning. They see that their health is failing. They'll see that other people's health is failing. We get all this information about why that might happen and how we can counteract it, but people don't do it because many times we just feel like eating what we want to eat and doing what we want to do. And we've become so used to it, it's hard for us to see a way to change from it. But through Christ, we can do all things. And again, that's where his ambassadors come in to encourage people, you know, to invite people to lectures or to invite people to study about their health issue. And then that way gets you an an inroads to where you can actually speak to them about the love of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, people um, people are so disconnected from their bodies, you know, that people don't realize how powerful their food is and Mm. uh, or how destructive food can be to their bodies, you know, Mm -hmm. or how powerful exercise or sunshine is because mm-hmm. we train to be disconnected from our bodies and, you know, been told from childhood up that, you know, the doctors knows what to do and stuff. And, you know, I do agree, science is important and doctors are important too, but also sometimes just um, start paying attention to, oh, when I eat this, then this happens or, oh, and that will build your, your faith up to start trying to eat more healthily because you start connecting your body, you know, to what's mm-hmm. happening to you, you know. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my sister yesterday. Now, this is really was profound to me. So we was talking, and we was talking about light things. And I turned to, uh, we started talking about the IRS and owing taxes. And, and she, you know, also arrived at that time. And she uh, was nice and clear when we first started the conversation. But when she stopped the car. She was breathing heavily. She has asthma. And she was short of breath, and I could tell. But I doubt very seriously that she noticed that we start these conversations, and then her breath, um, she had shortness of breath after that. You know, down, down, do you you know, to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, uh, it reminds me of... Um, Andre's car and he uh, had been putting regular gas in it mm-hmm. and then one day he decided to put the high the highest premium gas in it mm-hmm. and he he noticed such a difference in his car that now all he puts in it is the, the premium gas he said my car runs so smooth now and everything is smooth he said it's like I have a new a brand new car a brand new vehicle now and so it, that's pretty much the same way as you were speaking about, Lakita, with our bodies is that um, our bodies were meant to function um, with the right things at a high level. But, you know, instead of putting high octane fuel in, we're putting in uh, junk food and processed food and, you know, all kind of stuff that makes us sick. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about St. Louis, uh, two two institutions. St. Louis has plenty of universities and hospitals. Mm. You know, and That's hospitals, true. they're full now. We just talked about they're they're ninety three percent full. Some of it's from COVID, but not all of it. The hospitals yeah. have been full constantly because people are sick. And in this next paragraph, it talks about people. We really need to learn how to take care of ourselves and prevent sickness. Prevent it in the first place. But so many people say, well, I'm going to eat this. And if I get sick, I'll run to the doctor or I'll run to the drugstore and pick up something. Well, we should be trying to prevent sickness to begin with, not deal with it afterward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so funny. We are a capitalist society and that's what Big Pharma wants us to do is deal with it afterwards instead of what God wants us to do is deal with it on the front end and not the back end of it. Yeah, like someone got their blood test back, right? And they noticed mm-hmm. that arteries in their neck was like 59% close. So when they went to the doctor, they said, hey, you know, how was my blood test? And the doctor says everything was fine, blah, blah, blah. And then they were like, well, since it's fine, 
How come, you know, you, why um, it says that I have 59% of my arteries blocked in my neck? Why, why you not, why you didn't bring that up? And they said, oh, we don't look at it until it get to this other level. And then we begin to, you know, give you medicine. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, really, it's really important to pay attention to those blood tests, figure out, you know, what this stuff means. And then you can look on Google, you know, what do I need to do to improve this number or that number? You know, it's information out there, but you can't just wait on, on um, you can't wait because Big Pharma, like you said, they want to make money. They're not trying to get you healthy without making money. Yeah, if you haven't noticed, seems like every other commercial is some kind of medicine mm -hmm. that they're trying to get us to take. And many people don't even have the illness until they hear that commercial over and over. <laughs> then, you know, they're thinking they're sick because their leg hurt or whatever, or they get a headache. Simple stuff that people can deal with. And once you get hooked on those drugs, it's hard to get off of them. Mm -hmm. They don't want you to get off of them. And some of them uh, break your bank account, too. So right, it's better to right. prevent illness, yeah. not try and deal with it afterwards. And you know what? People will lament over the cost of fresh fruit and vegetables, mm -hmm. but that medication costs a lot more than the fresh Hundreds fruit and vegetables cost. Yeah. And, 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 and people, people, uh, people are diligent about taking their meds, but they're not diligent about eating their fresh fruit and vegetables. No, there was some guy, he tried to raise the price of this medicine that was... The EpiPen, remember that came out where hmm. the guy had came up with an invention for the EpiPen and he yeah. was going to charge people hundreds of dollars. And he it was so egregious that the courts told him, no, you're not going to charge people like that. That's just ripping people off, you know, but hmm. but the uh, pharmacies will do it if they can get away with it. One pill could cost you two hundred and fifty dollars or more. Yeah, yeah. I I knew yeah. somebody that had was using those Epi pens, and it went up to six hundred dollars. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm. Mm. Well, like I heard this one, this one medication. They like, if you don't have money, you know, we check with us. We have plans to you know how you can get this medicine or something. I was like, really? Mm. Now you got to put medicine on like the layaway plan. Or something. You gotta get a finance <laughs> to pay for your sickness. You know, but if yeah. you put, if people could just see that before it happens, that like you said, Karen, how much is organic food going to cost compared to you paying $300 per pill for high mm -hmm. blood pressure? You know, mm -hmm. it's ridiculous. It's a shame. And, uh, I saw a program uh, and this really didn't have to do well. I don't know. Could have had to do with the mother and her health and, and how she took care of or didn't take care of herself. But um it was um, about a medication and they called it the most expensive medication in the world. And um, because the child was born missing a certain, um, missing a certain uh, gene. And so the, the child wasn't expected to live for long because of that. Now, again, I don't know what the cause of that was, but the, the, the medication that they were trying to get for the child it cost you all, it was the most expensive medicine in the world. It cost $5.9 million for one dose. Mm. Yes, $5.9 million for one That's dose. Ridiculous. What they're and doing so, is putting money versus your life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but apparently this, this particular medicine repaired the missing or defective uh, 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 chromosome in the child. So yeah, Patsy says an ounce of prevention, prevention is worth a pound of cure. You're absolutely right. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's go down to paragraph 494.1. And she, she again talks about there being a liberal, liberal supply of money among our people. And she said, if all felt the importance of the work, this great enterprise could be carried forward without embarrassment. All should feel a special interest in sustaining it, and especially those who have means to invest in this enterprise. She said a suitable home should be fitted up for the reception of invalids that they may, by the use of proper means and the blessing of God, be relieved of their infirmities and learn how to take care of themselves and thus prevent sickness. You know, that's very important right now. We have a lot of like, like uh, one of you was saying, a lot of illness going on. 
um, in this in this world. And 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 if you just if you just took COVID and just set it aside, we still got a whole lot of illness going on, you know. And 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 some of it, God has provided the means to be able to help relieve people of this. As, well, I, when I say the means, the the medical and technical know-how to relieve people of some of this. And as you said, Lee, the health message is the right arm of the gospel. And even though some of us may not be healthcare professionals. We have, if we've been in the church long enough, we have received some training in, 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 in preventing illness, in, 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 in helping to recover from illness. And so all of us have a part that we can play in that, including living our best life ourselves um, in terms yeah. of the health message. And like they say, uh... A life well lived is the greatest sermon you can give someone. So if they see you in good health and they wonder, you know, wow, how you stay in such good health? That's your opportunity to share with them. You know, we were looking at uh, some person that we knew and they, they look so old. You know, you ever see some of your friends from school and they look so old and beat up, you can't even recognize them. You know, <laughs> yes. And it's like, what happened to you? I can't believe it. Was comes yeah. from hard living, you know, mm -hmm. from drinking, staying up too late, drugs, mm -hmm. arousing, worry, anxiety, stress, running around, all kind of things that you can do without. And if we can just recognize that, just just make one or two changes is going to help you. If you stop drinking, that's going to make a huge change. Stop smoking, huge change. Stop eating the wrong stuff. And like Lakita always says, don't try and do it all at once. Do good till you can do better and then do better till you can do best. So maybe you're not, uh, maybe you're not following everything perfectly yet, but you're making steps each day to do something better than you did the day before. Now, mm -hmm. I think you studied or did a study on the book, uh, Health and Happiness or? or uh, Councils on Diet and Foods. Yeah, now if you read that book, that's a lot of stuff that mm -hmm. you can do better. You know, mm -hmm. you can't do all that at once, but if you can just take mm -hmm. one or two principles out of it, Absolutely. it's going to be a blessing to you and your whole family. Mm -hmm. Just start Absolutely. where you can. Absolutely. And, 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 and the best thing about doing good, better, best is that as you do it slowly that way, it is more effective in changing your lifestyle than trying to flip a switch and suddenly, mm -hmm. you know, you make this drastic change, which you're not going to be able to stick to in most cases. Yeah. Um, some people have that willpower to do it, but a lot of people don't. And it's better to, to change your lifestyle than to flip a switch. Uh, in paragraph 494.2 near the bottom, um, she again talks about uh, where people are putting their treasure and they're putting it in this world and their affections are placed on earthly possessions instead of on a heavenly inheritance. But she says now is a good opportunity for them to use their means for the benefit of suffering humanity and also for the advancement of truth. This enterprise should never be left to struggle in poverty. Mm -hmm. These stewards to whom God has entrusted means should now come up to the work and use their means to his glory. To those who through covetousness withhold their means, it will prove a curse rather than a blessing. And she said to those in the next paragraph, to those whom God has entrusted means should provide a fund to be used for the benefit of the worthy poor who are sick and not able to defray the expenses of receiving treatment at an institution. So she's addressing the fact of the naysayers that talked about Dr. B and how everything wasn't free at the institution that he was heading up. But she says that we should, as, as, as God's, uh, those God has entrusted means to should provide a fund for the benefit of those who are poor, who can't afford the treatment. And not that the, that the institution should bear that burden, but that, that the members, the lay, lay membership should bear that burden and, and have something there so that when people are worthy of it and, and, and the worthy poor, she said, whose influence has been a benefit to the cause of God. She said, there are some precious a worthy poor whose influence has been a benefit to the cause of God. So she's, she, she, she is, she is conditioning it on worthy poor. Mm -hmm. You're not just saying everybody, not just, you know, turn the, the purse strings of the church over to everybody, but um, that there, there should be some that um, should be able to benefit from that. And then she goes and you know, on. You know, Karen, what's really uh, appalling. I, 
I was at Snooks one day, and this little lady, she was a, she's a little Caucasian lady, and she looked to be maybe in her late 80s. And she said, she told the lady, when the lady told her her price of her medicine, she said, well, I got to put a lot of my food back there. And I just told him, I said, what, what is her medicine? So I went ahead and paid for it. She said, honey, I can give you my number, and you can call me when I get my check the first of the month. I said, no, ma'am. I said, I said, God died on the cross for you, just like me. I said, and it's just a blessing. But I just, I, you know, and I said, that was a wake-up call to see. I mean, this little lady was going to put back her groceries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was either her medicine or her, her food, is what you're saying. Yes, ma'am. Mm, yeah. You know, that yeah. kind of, uh, that example that Patsy gave and also what I was saying earlier about the high price of drugs, what they're asking us is your money or your life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You might as well have a gun to your head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things, too, it was up a little bit above. It said the, this enterprise, talking about the health centers, should never mm-hmm. be left to struggle in poverty. And I feel that way about the schools, Christian schools too. You know, our church schools, they shouldn't be left to struggle, barely making it when we know the members have funds to help with the church. But that's just kind of how it is sometimes. The, the church is barely making it. They can barely provide uh, pencil and paper for the kids while the mm-hmm. members are holding back on giving to the Lord's cause. And it's the same with the schools as it is with the health centers. They shouldn't be left to struggle in poverty when you have people who call themselves God's people not participating in giving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There should not be a child that wants to attend um, one of our institutions that is unable to because of money. When there is, as, as she keeps saying, saying God has blessed his people. <laughs> Well, you know, that's one thing I loved about Sister Lewis, because if she didn't see me, she would tell my daughter, would tell Sister Patsy that, you know, we needed some help with some of the things here at the school and, and on, even with the fundraisers and stuff. I never questioned it. If she, if she gave, like this example, she gave my daughter some ink pens one time that they were selling because I was in Indiana. I didn't know that they was having a fundraiser. When I got back, my daughter said, Sister Lewis said, this is how much they are. And if you ain't got, if you, and she'll, she'll get it when you get paid. So I just was like, I appreciated that because she had enough faith in me knowing that no matter what, I'm going to, you know, come up with it because I, you know, I want to see God, you know, uh, uh, schools progress. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that kind of used to be one of the things about Adventist church members was their kids were going to Christian school and they were sacrificed to do it. But I don't know that it's still the same as it was back in the day when parents used to do what they could to get their kids in school. I don't know if it's that type of interest anymore because I know a lot of Adventist members send their kids to private schools outside of the church school. Even pastors have done that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think too, Elder Carroll, you know, it used to be a time where there was a list. Well, I know I got a list one time saying these are the kids that really need, you know, somebody to sponsor them, you know, maybe for this year or whatever. And you just pick a kid and you just contact the school and say, I'll bring the check over to you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so down near the bottom of that paragraph, uh, she says that um, <clears throat> unless those who have an abundance give for the object of sustaining the worthy poor, basically, uh, who cannot who cannot pay for health care themselves, without calling for returns, the poor will be unable to avail themselves of the benefits derived from the treatment of disease at such an institution where so much means is required for the labor bestowed. Such an institution should not in its infancy while struggling to live become embarrassed by a constant expenditure of means without realizing any returns. So basically um, there is a duty on all of us not only to share the health message, but to, as we are able to contribute um, to those institutions that are, are, are um, providing um, relief from illness, but also to a church fund that um, 
that the worthy poor can benefit from it. Any other comments? Okay. And you know, Karen, I think too, sometimes we don't realize when it says sharing, sometimes if we even just share a recipe that's healthy for you with somebody, especially me, I said, it's, it's just a blessing when you get a recipe and you say, you know, I got those items at my house. I just need to sit down and put them together and make a healthy meal. Sure. Sure. Again, just start and you know, you <clears throat> like they say, you you might not be able to do everything at once, but just do a little bit just to get going. Mm -hmm. And you'd be surprised, I think, sometimes how much some people would be willing to try a healthier recipe than you know what they're eating. They just don't know how. They don't know how to fix it. They're not acquainted with with how to do it. So I yeah. think that's very good, uh, Patsy. Uh, that you brought that up that that we can share just whatever whatever knowledge we do have we can share it with somebody so um all right um well if there's no other comments lee what are we studying next week uh next week chapter 15 in the book heaven by ellen white and that title is the earth made new okay so you know as you can see it's going chronologically in order mm -hmm. uh, and now it's time for the earth made new. Okay. So All right. And then invite someone to join us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, with that being said, we're going to close out with prayer. Um, Patsy, do you mind closing us out with prayer? No, I don't mind. Okay. Everybody bow your head and those that's on the, the uh, live stream. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the breath of life and another day that we can just lift your name up and praise you. Lord, as we continue to walk through the week and the rest of our days on this earth, let us look to you for your understanding, your wisdom, and your knowledge. Place it in our minds, our bodies, and our souls that we will uplift you everywhere we go, in our families, in, in our work jobs, in our communities. Lord, we just thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to cover us. Continue to cover us with your blood and save us into your heavenly kingdom. It's my prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to end live stream here.